Welcome to The Clean Truth, where we like to call bullshit on the status quo. What's up? Welcome back to The Clean Truth. Two episodes in two weeks, we might be getting back on a roll after a month hiatus. We're back. The uh, John, we do a weekly ball busting in here at the beginning of every episode, and I've kind of explained it a few times, but we usually take turns. Well... I don't know if taking turns is the right analogy, but somebody gets their balls busted at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> so if you have anything that you can beat Don up about immediately right now, that would help me and Scott tremendously. Please. Man, I I don't know. I'm nervous. I, I don't, I don't want to go first. It's all good. We're, we're used to it. I mean, we the just, only thing I take... can bust your balls about is I think you stole my pants out of my closet. You, we were wearing the same pants I am today. I think you were spying on me when I was getting dressed. That's what happens when we shop at the one place in town okay today we mentioned this on the last episode but today we are officially launching the clean truth truth of dare cards they go on the site live today and so john little background we used to do a Q&A, let people kind of send in messages on our site and ask questions on fitness nutrition business bullshit whatever we just kind of kept it wide open and we started out doing like a truth or dare type thing we just could never commit to actually doing the dares like at a separate time like (laughs) somebody dared us one time to do 50 burpees or race to do 50 burpees or just crazy shit like that we could never commit to it so we're like screw it let's just cut the dares out and we'll do the truths now it was a kind of a cool little like quiet project we were working on we wanted to have this card game so Let's do it. So we're going to, at the beginning of every episode, we're actually going to shuffle this deck. They want to cut it because they don't trust me. They think I'm going to pick one ahead of <laughs> it's them. All, it's all a master plan. And then we'll just go around the room and answer it. I don't remember the one we had last week. What was it? Uh, most Biggest, embarrassing. Yeah, most, most embarrassing, embarrassing moment or something. Go ahead, yeah. you drop. All right, the question today is, have you ever had sex in public? If so, where and with who? John, you're the guest, man. You go first. Um, yeah, yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, you didn't think that one was those... coming, did you? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I was like thinking like <laughs> something about nu- nutrition, nutrition, or them, or you know, yeah. Um, no, it was one of those uh, those college experiences. This girl was. Um, she could probably check a lot of boxes, you know, at the psychiatrist. Um, mm, but I know that type. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times those are the most fun. There's no doubt about it. I'm not saying that longevity of the relationship has a sustainable future, but in the moment, um, you know, those Tiffany's we've all seen those flow charts, the redheads, the hairdressers mm. and all that kind of stuff. But no, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, but then it got scary because it got to the point where I was convinced hundred percent that her goal, her objective was to get caught. And I don't know that I was prepared for that in my life at that time. You know what I mean? Like um, with the parentals, she, I was convinced she wanted her parents to catch us. Hmm. And her dad was like six, six. And in college, I was literally 120 pounds. So I wasn't about to climb that tree, you know? Well, there's your explanation. It was daddy issues. (laughs) Trying to prove something. Exactly. Yeah. Go ahead, Don. I have. I think I mentioned it in the last episode when we were playing this game, actually. I don't know how we got on that story, but maybe it was off air. I don't remember. 
little bar right outside of Edwardsville, oh, yeah. Illinois, called yeah, Fireside. You, you did, did talk yeah, about this yeah. the last time, yeah. Yep, <laughs> had sex in the bathroom there with no doors. My uh, John, I have a feeling that you and I, if we were friends in our twenties, one of us would be spending time behind bars. Or well, both, or both it, of us would be selling. I was going to say, if we're good friends, then the <laughs> other one be, would be right there. Yeah, how good of friends are we talking? So one of us would be sitting right next to the other one. Yeah. Me? Parking garage, like John said, quite a few years ago, to my current smoking hot wife. Rock on, babe. I'm actually going to say, I have to say no. I'm never, not in public. Not on any of your like volleyball courts? No. <laughs> Oh God, no! <laughs> Too much sand. Yeah. All right. Now that's that that's great. out of the way. Yeah, guys, check Hello. out check out cleanies.com. These clean truth or dare cards are on the site now on the merch site. They're pretty cool, man. It's a pretty cool little stocking stuffer gift. Just a little goofball project that we put together real quick, and I think they're actually really damn cool. I'd buy one even if I. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've tried. I've tried not to look at the cards while we've had them in the office, just so that I'm surprised when we flip them over. Yeah, it's cool. Alrighty. Well, our guest today is somebody very cool that um, I got introduced to through, again, the Bosco Brotherhood, the Sornex guys. Um, we have had the really cool privilege to get to know some incredible people through Bert and the network of guys through Sornex and. Um, Brandon Lilly hooked us up with um, John Mulligan. John, are you there? Or are you frozen? Yep, yeah, there you go. Video was frozen. Sorry. Um, John Mulligan. Yep. From uh, Arrow yeah, Wild TV. Reason up a little bit. Yes, sir. Thanks for joining us, man. Did you hear uh, anything? Thanks, sir. That. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a little choppy on my end. We'll we'll fix it. We have a good editor sitting over there. He'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, man. I mean, you and I have kind of been bullshitting back and forth online, and you started yeah. getting meals from Clean Each Kitchen, and I've been watching a lot of your um, videos on Arrow Wild TV because we started bow hunting again last year, and I don't know, man, when you, we were talking about working out, and I was like, well, damn, let's get on a podcast and, and talk about how you like to train and how the outdoors and physical fitness that to me has became, I don't know, more intriguing to me than, you know, bodybuilding anymore. Cause I'm out of that scene. And, and it's always interesting to talk to guys like you, you know, we had Matt Drury from Drury outdoors on, and he talked about how his nutrition overlaps the way that he trains for hunting and things like that. So I want, you know, you know, you and I were yeah. talking about it and I was like, well, damn, let's just jump on a podcast. This would be pretty damn cool. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it, it is, um, it is huge. I mean, like I mentioned with my, my wild college experience, I was, I graduated college and I was about 129, 129 pounds. And the reason why I remember that is as soon as I graduated from college, I moved away. I got a job that one of my professors helped line me up with and I moved to a new city. I didn't know anybody. And day one, I went and joined a gym. And it was one of those gyms that when you walk in, they're like, okay, we're going to take some body measurements. And they got the calipers, you know, and, and then they had me step onto a scale and I was like 129. I'm like, God, I'm a, you know, piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like I need to put on some weight. And, um, but to my credit or discredit, I was a big track cross country guy, you know, all through school. 
Um, so putting on weight wasn't really ideal, you know, for doing half mile and, and cross country, but, uh, nonetheless, I didn't know anybody and it was perfect because I went to work, had a sales job. Um, when I left out of there, I still had a super high metabolism, so I could kind of stay in like a seated position and not burn a lot of extra calories. So I could just carb load and calorie up and then go to the gym each night. And I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. I didn't know anybody. So there's no commitments. And I literally just lived in the gym like three hours a day um, and ended up getting to like, you know, the mid forties, low fifties. Um, and I felt like I was really starting to, you know, accomplish something, but I started working at, the, um, I got hired by the Florence, Kentucky police department in Northern Kentucky. And immediately there were some big dudes, you know, and then even the criminals and the bad guys that we were dealing with, they were a lot bigger than I was. Yeah. And I was like, man, I need to work out a lot more. I've, it is time to put on some size. And I really wasn't hunting a lot at this point. I was just, just starting to get into some rifle hunting. And that of course was just climbing up into a ladder stand a couple times a year, shouldering a rifle. And so the physical fitness side hadn't come in. There wasn't a crossover yet. Um, it was just still in that I wanted big biceps. I wanted a big chest to impress girls. Um, and I just didn't want to get my ass kicked when I was on the street, you know? Um, and I remember one of the old timers I worked, uh, that I was working with one day, I'm like, Hey, you want to go to the gym? He's like, no, he's like, oh, what do you got there? And I was like, Oh, it's a protein shake. It's low calorie, high in protein, low carb. And he's like, let me tell you something, Rook, if you want to kick some ass, you got to bring some ass. <laughs> and it kind of changed my mindset. So then I just started trying to consume as much as I possibly could. You know, I knew that I had a high metabolism anyways. And I was like, I don't care what other content is in it just as long as i'm hitting my like 40 45 grams of protein per meal i don't care if it's a stick of butter that's with it oh, yeah. i'm doing it um so finally i started gaining some weight and you know i got up to like 200 pounds um at 510 and still kept you know still wearing a 30 32 waist you know pants and stuff so i was like okay i think i'm doing a little bit better but you know, when I got into hunting and bow hunting and especially traveling out West, that's when things like that connection came over, you know, on the, on the fitness side of things, I want to hike further. I want to hunt further and even little things. I know it sounds kind of corny and cliche for some people, but just those core movements sitting in a tree stand all season long in this little itty bitty tree um, and making sure that you're trying to keep your posture so your back's not getting all jacked up all that kind of stuff comes into play right um and hanging you know like i said hanging tree stands um you know it takes a little bit of physical strength to hold on to the tree while you hang a stand and and all that kind of stuff but it all it all came into practicality and and i did start changing a lot of my workouts and a lot of my movements into more practical stuff um, at least incorporating extra stuff into it. That was like, all right, this simulates this activity or this simulates this activity and, and whatnot. And I still hate the steppers or any of those cardio machines like that, that simulate hiking up and down in the mountains. <laughs> I cuss those things every time, but it's necessary. You know, you gotta, you gotta do it. And now at 43, 
Um, I've got some gray, but I still feel like I can still hang. I can still hang with the 20 year olds, you know, at the gym pretty good. Yeah. I, what you just said, I've been, that's what I've been doing. So I've been doing a lot more the last week. I leave next week to go to Idaho on an elk hunt. And so well, that, I hope you have better luck than I did when I was in Idaho. <laughs> eh, me too. Cause we're going to be there a long time. <laughs> yeah. But I've been uh, just throwing my boots on and my pack on my back and just getting on the stair mill. I mean, I'm at almost negative sea level, so I live right at the beach. So I have zero right? yeah. I have zero way to like mimic altitude other than to just get my VO2 max as high as I can and sustain it as long as I can. That's really the only thing I can do. So, I'm Well, ho- and you know, that, that's a, well, that's a good point too, because I know this year I was in a lot better cardio shape for, you know, heading out, out to Idaho. And when I was in Idaho, there was never a moment where I was like, yeah, man, like I'm like Goggins or Cam Haynes out here. You know what I mean? But when I got back to Iowa and I think we're about 22 or 23 feet above sea level here. Um, when I got back here and I was hiking up and down some of our Hills and, and and whatnot hanging tree stands and getting trail cameras set for this season i had a couple of buddies with me and they were like grabbing their knees you know what i mean and mouse open and they're they're like dude hold on a second give me a second to catch my breath and i'm like man i'm still breathing through my nose um but it's hard to that altitude it's really really tough to train for it um in places like where we live at the sea level that we live in um you know I hate to say like, I hate to call people fat, but just for sake of saying it, you take a fat dude that lives out West in Colorado and he can out hike me any day of the week. Oh yeah. He's used to breathing. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. He's used to the altitude. Yep. Yep. So it's a, it's a different, it's a different game altogether. Um, So yeah, I mean, like you said, the only thing you can do is just over, over work yourself at low sea levels and hopefully it has some help at high sea levels. You know what I mean? But it's, it's different. It's definitely, definitely different. I've been talking to people and I said, there's only two things that I'm nervous about this whole trip. Only two. One of them is obviously shooting and missing. Like I think everybody kind of thinks about that. (laughs) But then the other thing is it ain't the physical part of it. I mean, I'll get through that. I'm in pretty good shape, Uh huh. but I sweat like a buffoon. Oh, so, really? I mean, if it gets down to 12 degrees and I've been sweating in a merino shirt all day and it's soaking wet, it ain't going to smell yeah. good the next day. It's going to be frozen. And like, that's what I'm afraid of. You know what I mean? Like just sweating Transition. through, sweating through base layers and not yeah. having anything else to put on because I just sweat right through them. <laughs> well, and better to do it in merino than synthetics at least. Yeah. Um, it won't stink as, as bad. Um, I tell you one thing that I did, um, on last year's elk hunt and this year, I, I brought a, uh, a little pop-up blend and not that I had any intentions out of hunting out of it, but next to my camp, I set up the pop-up blind with like a Mr. Buddy heater. And I made my own kind of little sauna to dry out, you know, wet clothes, um, that either got wet from sweat or rain. Um, but you know, since you've got the little carbon poles inside the pop-up lines, I would just loop a shirt sleeve or a hood or something. And it kind of made my own little clothing air dry rack 
And then I had that Mr. Buddy heater inside there and zipped it all up and was able to raise the temperature in there. And it, it dried all my clothes out really fast. Big time hack. Were you on horseback or just backpacking it? No, no. I mean, we, we drove to where we were going to set up camp. That's what we're and doing. Parked the, yeah. And then parked the truck. Um, you know, and then we just, would just dive off from there, uh, each day, or we might take the truck, you know, on a two track and get a little closer and then dive off from there. But we still more or less had a base camp, you know? So this was back at like the base camp. Um, and you know, day one, we did get out away and we got caught in a, a rainstorm. And by the time we got back, I mean, everything was soaking wet. And I'm like, this is really going to suck in the morning when it's 39 degrees. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I brought that little pop-up pop-up blind and made myself a little heat box, you know, to dry out clothes sure. overnight. Worked out good. Yeah. We we're setting, we're doing that. We're driving into a base camp setting up, but then we're backpacking in for like three, four days at a time. Oh, so you'll take a little spike. Yeah. Have yep. a little spike camp with you to take. Yep. yep. So I don't know if I want to carry something like that on my back. You got a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In that application. Yeah. It wouldn't work out as well. We were always coming back to the same camp every night, you know? Sure. Um, but yeah, this year I didn't do any spike stuff. Um, I actually solo hunted the majority of my trip this year. I had a camera guy that went out there with me and his day job, um, pays him very well, way more than I do. So, um, he had to leave early on like day two of the hunt. So then day three through eight, I just, uh, I solo hunted and admittedly, I don't know enough about elk hunting in general to be solo hunting. So I, you know, was taking my bow for a hike every day, mm. <laughs> hoping huh? that I would see something, Run into something that I could put a, that I could put a hole in, you know? Well, talk about your background for a minute. So you used yeah. to be a narcotics agent, right? I'm sorry. Were you a narcotics agent at one time? Yes. Please. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, so it's like I said, I started out in Northern Kentucky in Florence, Florence, Kentucky. Um, that was the the city that hired me and there was two reasons. Well, the main reason that I even applied there was that's where I was previously living, where I met my wife. And, um, I told her, I said, Hey, I want to, I want to be a cop. And we had, we had moved back to Lexington, Kentucky and which is where I grew up. And I said, I think I want to be a cop. And she's like, really? I'm like, I don't think forever, but I just want to do it for a couple of years. I'm like, I get to learn about all the laws. I get to learn how to shoot a bunch of guns. I get to learn some more defensive tactics and some high speed driving. And I just think it'd be fun to do for a couple of years, like yeah. camp, you know, I was like, and then I want to get the hell out of it. I don't want to do it forever. And she's like, well, if you're going to do this crazy shit, like at least put Florence, Kentucky as a place that you apply to. Cause I like that town and it puts me closer to my parents. And I was like, well, why would we move close to your parents? She's like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. gotcha. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, we both got big news today. So um, anyways, I ended up getting hired there and one of the, one of my buddies that kind of got me into wanting to do this as a career, he was a narcotics agent and the dude just had the most kick ass stories. You know what I mean? Like the stuff you see in the movies. And I didn't, I didn't want to like 
and not that all patrolmen are just out there writing tickets, but I knew that's not what I wanted to do, you know? So, um, a, a position came open, this multi-jurisdictional, uh, task force unit opened up, uh, a spot. And I thought, well, worst case scenario, I'll put in for it. And then they'll know that I'm interested in doing that at some point in my career. And they were like, you know what, let's take a chance on this kid. Like nobody knows him. He's not from this area. He could, we could, we can go ahead and send him out immediately and start buying heroin and meth, you know, day one. And that's pretty much what they did. And uh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's the most fun I've ever had probably with any job. And um, I started working with some DEA task force stuff, FBI task force stuff, um, ATF, and that was fun. You just kind of bounce around different units yeah. and, and and work within different agencies. And a lot of times how that works is if they have a target, who has the informant and whoever has the informant, okay, who's the handler? Okay. Well then he's the case agent head, you know, on that case to take down that guy. And, um, you know, you run into a lot of that stuff where they're like, Oh man, you're using these dirt balls, you know, to get your foot in the door. Well, you ain't taking somebody from the church choir. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? So it is what it is. I mean, you're dealing with some, some seedy people, mm -hmm. um, but they're the people that are in those crowds. Right. And so I remember the first day that I went into the unit, um, the director pulls me in the office and he's like, okay, we'll sit down, get to know each other kind of thing. You know, I'm the boss man, blah, blah, blah. And, and he looks at me and he's like, all right, so we don't buy steroids here. And I was like, what? And he's like, you're going to need to drop a few pounds. So, um, I did a straight Pepsi Cola and slim Jim diet huh. and like genetically for my age. And for me, if I don't go to the gym, I just start dropping weight like crazy instantly. And I dropped down to, I was like 178, 179. And I dropped to about 140 Ugh. and, um, it was horrible, <laughs> but, um, and then of course you're working night shift. So like you constantly have bags under your eyes, you're pale looking like a vampire yeah. that gets caught outside day walking. And I was just, you're going out, you're buying heroin, you're buying meth and you're buying Coke and, that's all, that's all your life is. That's all you're doing for, you know, every day. That's what you got to look forward to. Um, but one of the biggest eye openers that I had, man, was um, we've all been in this position and none of us can deny that we haven't. We have prejudged somebody. Well, for sure. It's a fact of life, right? And I knew that I was a good person. I knew that I wore a badge and I was a cop and all that kind of stuff. You know, my job was to put bad people in prison or whatever. And I was also used to being in uniform. And like, if I walked into a gas station or a business or a bank, somebody holds the door for you. Hey, how's it going officer? How's your day going officer? You know, that kind of stuff. Well, I remember going to the courthouse one time to testify in a trial and I'm still in ratty looking clothes I've got a nasty scraggly crustache of a beard and I've got long mangy hair and I'm pale and I'm 140 pounds. And I mean, I look like a piece of crap, you know what I mean? And I remember being on the elevator and a lady and a, and her small child was with her 
and she was getting into the elevator. And when she got in, um, I was, I'm thinking, I'm not looking at myself. I'm thinking, I'm looking at it through the eyes. I'm a good person and I love kids. You know, I've got children. So instantly I kind of smile at the child. You know what I mean? Like, uh. Hey, how's it going? You know, little, little child. And the mom snatches her kid, yanks her over, like tucks her up underneath an arm and then takes her purse and tucks it up underneath her armpit. Oh yeah. Like I'm going to snatch her child or her purse. <laughs> and it was such a weird thing is I'm like, why is she doing that to me? Like, and then of course I look down at my clothing and I look at me and uh, you know, it's one of those elevators where it's not quite the mirror reflection stainless steel, but it's shiny enough that I can see oh, yeah. myself. And I'm like, I look like a bag ass. I'd do the same thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was such a weird, it, that was one of those moments where I was like, Holy crap. We, we do judge people. And now I'm on the other side of the coin here, you know? Um, it's such a, such a weird deal, but, uh, but yeah, I, I did that and, and I was hunting a little bit and, and that was actually how I got into bow hunting more um, or got back into hunting because it was like, I couldn't go to local bars. I couldn't go out in public. I definitely never wanted to take a chance and taking my wife and kids out to dinner somewhere and somebody sees me or recognizes me or whatever. So um, it's definitely a lifestyle change, but at least hunting was something I could go do by myself. Nobody was going to know me. The pine tree wasn't going to try to shoot me. The oak tree wasn't going to try to stab me or run from me. You know what I mean? So, and also for me, I needed that to balance out life because I was starting to look at the world as, man, the world's just a total turd, like one big turd and everybody in it is a bad person. Um, so having that connection with nature, you know, getting away from the, the so-called concrete jungle, oh, you know, yeah. yep. and and when I say Florence, Kentucky, if anybody's not familiar with the location of Northern Kentucky, you're essentially 10 minutes from Cincinnati. And a lot of our cases did go over to Cincinnati. And when you worked with different federal agencies, then you had federal powers. So you could also cross the river and do stuff in Cincinnati. So a lot of our stuff was in Cincinnati. A lot of it was in Northern Kentucky and, and you kind of went back and forth across there. And Cincinnati is not a pleasant city at all yeah you got the reds and you got some cool restaurants and there's there's some cool stuff down on the river with any river town that has that german influence like they have um but at the same time cincinnati's just kind of a small chicago and mm -hmm. it's kind of a dirt dirt ball place um so yeah i was doing that um you know and hunting on the side and this went on for years and years um until ultimately I, I bumped into a guy that was in the hunting space. He had a hunting show and was doing very well selling hunting DVDs. And he also was starting a company called wicked tree gear. And it was a, a folding handsaw telescoping pole saw. So I had approached him and ended up purchasing part of that company from him. And then we exploded, you know, we got into Cabela's Bass Pro field and stream and Academy and everywhere. And things were going really well. And then my time was really getting pulled. Like I have this law enforcement gig, but then wicked is, you know, we were up to about a million a year in sales. And for two guys that were building these things in a garage, like that was pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, we didn't have a lot of overhead, so we were making pretty good money doing that. And, and he approached me about filming hunts 
and he's like, you ought to, you ought to film your hunts. Um, so the not very PG version is my reply was, well, I've never masturbated in front of a mirror before. So like, I don't really see the need to film my hunts. Huh. You know what I mean? Like I hunt to hunt, I hunt for me, you know, and, and I don't, I don't need that. And he's like, dude, just take a camera and just try it. You might like it. And so I did it. And I tell you, dude, like I shot my biggest buck on the ground in Kentucky. It was like a, like a 159 um, early season with my bow um, and to, to hunt on the ground like that. Like that was awesome. And, and then I was hooked. I'm like, okay, I enjoy filming hunts. This is, this is cool. Cause I don't have to tell my buddy about it. I'm like, I can just hit play and just show you. Yeah. And, um, and you'll always have that memory kind of forever. Right. So that, that kind of, you know, proceeded and, and, and went on, um, still didn't think that I was ever going to do anything in the outdoor space. Yes. I did have that phase in my life where I was like, man, I want to be the next Michael Waddell. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I want to do. Like Jim Shockey, you better move out of the way. Lee Likosky, I'm coming for you. <laughs> um, and, and I thought that's what I wanted to do forever. And, um, but I honestly was not pursuing it. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't putting all my effort into trying to make that a career. I was still having fun, you know, taking bad people to jail and, and, you know, slinging some wicked saws and stuff. And I ended up getting a, a DSLR, um, mostly because Sitka, Sitka had approached me in early 2015 and they said, Hey, we're going to come out with this new whitetail pattern. Um, all we, you know, they, they were just doing the open country pattern. That was the only thing they had at the time. And they said, we want to, we want to do this whitetail pattern and, and we'd like for you to join up with us. We're going to handpick like 30, 35 dudes in the United States and you're going to be our ambassadors. And this was the first time anybody used the word ambassadors and not pro staff or field staff. And I was like, man, ambassadors, like, I don't drink wine, but that sounds fancy as hell right there. You know? <laughs> so, um, I was like, yeah, let me, let me get up on some of that ambassador stuff. So I picked up a DSLR and self-taught myself, you know, photography and, and I, that's when I started to see that, that maybe there was a future in it. And this is something I could do for a living only because, you had Instagram and you had Facebook and I'm looking at these companies and I'm going, man, content is King. Like if you're going to make a post or two a day on every platform and you've got IG stories and uh, Snapchat was in its like Snapchat 1.0 oh, yeah. was a thing then. And, and I was like, man, I, I think if I got really good with a camera, like I think photography uh, could be could be my angle because there wasn't a lot of people doing it you know in 2014 2015 um so i i dove into photography and and next thing i know you know people just started calling and hey i'll pay you to do photos for me how much would you charge to do this and how about a photo shoot for this and um i'll give you x amount of dollars if you'll make one post a month you know using our product or whatever and i branched off and started my own show, um, just a con, not really a conflict of interest, but my business partner and I, we had sold wicked tree gear. And that's the other funny thing about business is a lot of times you can be great business partners because you have to be, but if you don't have to be business partners, then we realized we actually weren't even friends. 
Like I really didn't like the guy. You know what I mean? I've seen, so, I've seen that happen quite a bit. Yep. Yep. So once we didn't have to be friendly, then we weren't friendly. And, and our relationship was very yin yang to begin with. He was over the top. And I was like, no, I was still very much like two to the chest, one to the head. You know what I mean? Very mm-hmm. calm. And, you know, when that, re- when those relationships go South, man, they go South, you know? Um, and it was almost Jerry Springer stuff. So, and you anyways, don't recover it went, from it either. No, you don't No, Cause you, you both end up saying things that you really can't take back. It yep. seems like. And, uh, so anyways, our relationship went South. Fortunately, we were able to at least make amends years later and, um, forgive and forget a little bit, you know, and kind of fall back on the, Hey, we were best friends at one point for a reason. So no, no, no more hard feelings. And I, I got very lucky that we were able to make that amends uh, two weeks before he died. And, um, I can't imagine having to hold on to that, you know, forever, but luckily we were able to make amends and, and he had passed away, but era wild TV kind of, you know, started to take off and, and started doing well. And, you know, last year, Arrow Wild TV won, uh, won the Best in Hunting Award on the Carbon TV Network. Um, so that was pretty cool to, to do that. And, and um, but yeah, man, I, it's just crazy how, you know, people ask that question all the time. Like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I used to always think like, holy shit, man, five years from now, like, I, I don't know, that's an eternity. It's not. Mm-mm. Five years is tomorrow. Short term. You know what yeah. I mean? It is. It is. It's such a, and I, but when you're a kid and when you're younger, it's almost like they teach you to think of your five-year goal as a long-term goal. If a 10-year, maybe a 20-year goal is a long-term goal. Five-year, that's a tomorrow goal. Um, I mean, when I think about it nowadays and I'm going, I look at what I do for a living now with hunting and photography and, and product design and marketing consulting and stuff in the outdoor space and for brands. And five years ago, I was still buying heroin. You know, I'm like, this is crazy to me. That's a, that's a pretty cool story, man. That from where you started to where you are now. Yep. I mean, it's just, that was really cool. Um, Yep. Well, and I, and I tell people too, like, the whole marketing aspect for me, I, I didn't go to school for marketing. My degree's in horticulture. So I can tell you whatever you want to know about soil and dirt and trees and stuff. But being an undercover narcotics agent is the best education you can get in marketing for the following reasons. I walk into a crack house. I've got about five to 10 seconds to get somebody to like me and not want to shoot me mm-hmm. and either sell me heroin or buy heroin from me real fast. And that's real life. Cause they got real guns and they really don't have a fear of going to prison. Same thing with marketing Instagram. Think about how many seconds you stay on one picture before you swipe to the next. Yep. So you've got two, three, five seconds to, to make the sale in essence. So I've tried to do that with my photography is to grasp and picture what's going on within a couple of seconds before they move on. And if anything, if I didn't make the sale, at least I planted the seed. Um, and hopefully they didn't hate me when they swipe past me and they hit the unfollow button or something, but, um, that's marketing right there. Like I learned, that's how I learned marketing for me. 
was being an undercover narcotics agent. That's Makes awesome. Real life shit. Cool story, man. Well, let's talk about training for a minute, man. I mean, we, yeah, you and I were bullshitting on the phone the other day about, you know, you said you were going to give it one last go around. <laughs> I say that all the time. I found myself saying that a lot. I'm going to give it one more shot, man. One more shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I tell my wife, I was like, I'm bringing sexy back one more time. Like, yeah. like Justin Timberlake. Well, you know, we, we talked a little bit about training methods that, you know, kind of uh-huh. transition over to hunting, but is there anything you do? I mean, you, are you still doing like meathead bodybuilding splits or is there anything specific that you're doing that you, you go to the gym specifically to do that translates into the field? Yeah. I mean, so it used to all just be bodybuilding. Um, and it was with an emphasis of size. Um, I didn't have to worry about definition because like I said, metabolism issues and stuff like that. Um, I would def, I still say that 70% of my workouts are still more easily described as still bodybuilding movements. Um, cause you know, you're still getting the strength side of it. Um, but I'm, I'm a vain person. I still want to look good. You sure. know, I think we all do. Right. Um, now what I do is that 30% has transitioned over to a lot of my finishing workouts are not so much for the definition. It's for the movement, like, you know, shoulder days will end with battle ropes. Yeah. It's a lot of cardio. Um, but that's a little more practical too. jerking some ropes around could be jerking an animal or, you know, dragging an animal around or, you know, something like that. So there's definitely, definitely a lot of my finishing movements. A lot of my burnout sets are a little more practical stuff. Um, not as many seated, uh, barbell military presses as more of a standing barbell press. And that way I can cheat a little with my legs and, get a little, almost a little CrossFit-y in a way, uh, without telling people I do CrossFit every day. Huh? <laughs> so in essence, you're just doing more functional movements. Which yeah. Is yeah. What just I've, a little more practical, functional stuff. Yep. That's kind of how I've kind of transitioned myself into is I don't go down to my gym in my garage and just say, I'm going to do back and biceps today. Like I just don't do that anymore. Yep. There's, yeah. Um, not because of hunting, just because I'm getting old and I, tighten up and i feel like shit when i do that it takes me well you remember the days when you were like i'm gonna do shoulders on monday and i'm doing chest on tuesday because i don't give a shit yep now i'm like i better have a day in between chest and shoulders or i might tear something or break something you know (laughs) well i think in our case that's called turning 40 yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) things break down quicker (laughs) yeah that's a thing so the uh the other day i went in on chest day and you know those days where even on your warm-up set, you're feeling kind of froggy. Oh, yeah. And you're like, today's going to be a good day. So I ended up progressively going up, you know, 135, 225, 285, 315. And I end up at 365. And I don't do a lot of barbell heavy stuff anymore just because I'm 43. And I've been down that road before. And my shoulders click as it is already, you know. Yep after um after all the years but i'm like i'm feeling froggy today someone put 365 on there but i was like i'm gonna grab a spot from some you know one of these locals and i was like hey man can you can you give me a spot and then of course at 43 you have to lay down the ground rules do not jerk it off of my chest i still want to have functioning rotator cuffs like tomorrow um 
only assist me when I need it. Don't jerk it off of me. Don't let me die. And uh, everything went fine. And I was on, I was pressing uh, rep number five. And I knew this one was going to hurt a little bit. And about halfway up, I actually felt something and it felt like a rubber band stretching too far. And it was right up in that divot, you know, of your shoulder Mm. and your chest. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. And I pressed through it. I was in too much pain to even say grab it. But then I also was afraid that if I said grab it, he was going to jerk it. And then I was going to snap something. So I went ahead and pressed through it and I racked it. And it was like straight tiger bomb and ice. And I went to the house and I thought, man, I'm, I probably really, really screwed myself. And I got, man, I got lucky a couple of days later, I was, the pain went away and I was fine. But again, it was another one of those lessons. I'm like, man, maybe I just can't throw around big weight like that anymore. You know, I'm there. I do that stuff. Like you're lucky you have a spotter around. Like, unless I'm training with one of these guys here, I don't have spotters. So I'm like, yeah. How far fail, do I want to push fail. it today? Yeah. If I fail, I'm going to be laying here when my wife gets home. She's going to pick it up <laughs> off me. But anymore, man, on a flat bench, I get to 315 and I'm like, mm, if I don't feel it that day, I don't do it. Yeah. No, no matter uh, what I feel like. Like if I just have that small little feeling in my gut, I'm like, nope, no, uh-huh. not today, unless somebody's there. <laughs> well, and I probably am getting, I'm lucky the gym that I work out at right now, uh, their dumbbells, they stop at 120. So it keeps me kind of in check. I don't have to, I don't, I don't get to even have the desire to try anything dumb anymore. I just stop at 120 and just kind of rep it out. Well, nutrition wise, you know, you just started mm-hmm. eating our meals, which I'm very grateful for. But outside Dude. of that, all these, all these hunts you've been on, how yeah. much wild game do you really consume? A lot. <laughs> I really, yeah, a lot, a whole lot. Um, and it's funny too, because usually a, about October, November is, uh, is when it works out, uh, to when I'm starting to run out from the season before. And my wife, she'll, she's like the first one to come to me and she's like, I get it. I know you're targeting a big trophy buck, but we're starting to run low, you know, does eat all the same. It's time to shoot a few does. I'm like, okay. You know, (laughs) man, I wish my wife would come to me and say, Hey, Stock, yeah. it, stock it up. Yeah. I mean, the, the the farm property that we have, I was just telling him the other day when we went out, the guy that owns the property next to me, we've been trying to manage it a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we kind of agreed that we weren't going to kill any females till later in the year if neither one of us had, had got, um, you know, gotten anything. And I was in my stand the other night, man, and I had my tr- finger on the trigger and I watched three or four really big fat girls eating for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And it was everything I could do to control myself not to pull the trigger and, 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 uh-huh. and get one. But I was like, man, I would love to put this in my freezer, but I'm just going to let her walk. Yeah, and yeah, so for that, sure. That took a lot of willpower. Yeah. They'll, they'll be back. Yeah. No, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, you know, I'm a big proponent of only shooting what I'm going to kill. Um, unless it's a coyote and I'll shoot every one of those things I see and have an opportunity at, but you know, even, I mean, we're still eating off of my bear that I shot in 2019 up in Ontario. Granted it was the fifth largest black bear ever shot with a bow in Canada. Um, so it filled up an entire freezer. Um, 
So we cut it down. We actually did pork and beef on that. We did like 10% pork, 10% beef. So kind of did an 80, 20 split on it and just ground the entire thing. And, um, that's pretty good, you know? And it was, it was one of those berries. It was a blueberry bear. It wasn't like a, you know, he hadn't been eating dead fish and beavers and all that craziness. So he's a, he's a pretty, he's a pretty good, tasty bear. Um, but you know, I tell you, I've killed a lot of animals, a lot of them on video that I've turned into episodes and I've never received hate, pure, just pure hatred until I killed that bear. Really? Really? Everybody associates a bear as a teddy bear. It's like Winnie the Pooh. All they do is eat honey. They don't hurt anybody. I don't know what it is. You can kill as many deer as you want. You kill a bear, man, and the antis come out of the woodworks and they come after you. Like I had death threats. My wife and kids had death threats. Really? Um, yeah. Like I and I'm and I'm supposed to be the sicko, the crazy person, you know, that killed a bear. And and I've got people leaving comments. It's all on some of the comments are on my YouTube channel. Um, it's pretty it's pretty funny on that episode, but they were like, I hope that the next time you're in the woods, a bear, he has a bow and I hope he shoots you right in the chest and your wife and kids have to watch it. And I was like, wow, like, and I'm supposed to be the crazy person. So of course I respond, I'm super angry and I respond, well, fortunately their, their thumbs don't work the same way that ours do and they can't work the release and hold on to the riser the way that we do. But if they ever can, then that'll be dangerous. That'll be sketchy. But, uh, but thanks for watching. Cause you helped my algorithm. Yeah. Uh, so my commenting. <laughs> my, my question is one, how did they find the video? And then where yeah. did they get the time to sit and do that? Yeah. Unemployed people purposely looking for it with all kinds. Yeah. Infinite time I'm assuming. And, and I, I'm assuming they just troll for that stuff. Yeah. You know, they're just looking for it. I couldn't even imagine like yeah, trolling I, through never... outdoor videos, looking for a bear hunt and then finding one and then, spending an hour arguing about it online. Yeah. Yeah. With some stranger. stranger. Yep. Um, and you know, most of them, like, it seems like a lot of them are not American. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, cause YouTube obviously transcends like all yeah. countries and all over the world. And so, yeah, it seems like a lot of the hate comments are not from American, you know, people and, and I get it like to some degree, they, they don't understand hunting or whatever, or maybe they don't even have bears, you know, where they live. Um, and the only thing they know is like care bears or, you know, stuffed animal that they got as a, as a present or something once before when they, their tummy hurt, but yeah, it's crazy, man. Like maybe they're one of those people, uh, what are they called? What are those people that go to those conventions dressed up as teddy bears and they get all freaky deaky? Oh, and, uh... like the cosplay people <laughs> yeah, or something? People, or... Yeah. Maybe they're one of them. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. It was weird. I was like I said, I was reading some of those comments and I'm like, man, like this is pure, this is pure hatred. Like, I don't know that I've ever wished somebody would have their face eaten off by a bear and their family had to watch it. You know, like, so do you comment back or do you just, Oh let, yeah. Let yeah. I, I, Oh no. I always comment back with, Hey, thanks for watching. You know, because yeah. you watched my video, like, you helped my algorithm and, kind of and your comment helps as well. And yeah, I'm like, please keep commenting. Let's just keep, let's keep this going. Oh, yeah. The longer you keep it's, it going, the better off you are. Yeah. 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 So 
um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, but you know, teach their own and, you know, so, and I think that's a lot of it, you know, even my daughter. So my daughter grew up, you know, in a house with dead animals mounted on the walls and she grew up eating wild game and had no issues with that. Uh, even from a young age, she, she'll say, okay, I have no desire to actually kill an animal. It's just, I don't think I could do it. I don't want to do it, but I also have no problem eating, you know, wild sure. game. Cause I know it was harvested or killed ethically and that kind of stuff. Um, she's an animal lover, but she'll also admit that yes, the lar- the lion's share of cash contributions to conservation comes from licensed sales from hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she'll, she'll argue that point. So it is kind of funny that, she's taken a totally different perspective to her involvement or lack of involvement in hunting, but she's also educated and, you know, she gets it. And I think that's a lot of it is a, a lack of education or an understanding from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Hey, we, we see it now still in everyday politics, you can yell and scream and make your valid point to your blue in the face. If, the opposing person doesn't want to hear it and they don't believe in it. You can't convince them. Otherwise I don't even waste my time at that. Yeah. At least not very often. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you can get sucked into a trap because I'm a, I'm a pretty opinionated person. It doesn't take people very long to understand um, probably where I stand in a lot of political things. And um, yeah, if you're not careful, you can go down that wormhole. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it gets you nowhere. That's what's unfortunate. Well, John, this was a good time, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Dude, I was going to tell you guys, I want to make sure I say this. Those, the meals, I have not had a bad meal yet. Um, I do think so far my favorite um, is that, um, Oh, the, the chicken, sweet potato, nacho. Chicken and waffles. Chicken waffle. Dude. Yeah. That's, You're gonna, that's a game changer right there. Yeah. That meal bangs. It's good. You're going to make a yeah. and have to keep that on year yeah. round. I think yeah, when. That, uh, that one's awesome. Whenever they're producing that one here at the warehouse, we have like a separate stash. We just put them in a little separate <laughs> deal. And then it's the like five high, of us high meat, alert. meatheads are like every day. Chicken and waffle. You can smell yeah. them in the microwave all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny too, because I'm looking at your all's meals and I think a lot of people have a misconception that, well, if it's healthy, it's not going to taste as good. And, um, and then I get the total, you kind of get a little bit of a mind warp because I'm like, okay, this meal's phenomenally good. Let me look at the calories and I'm going, okay, 376. How did they get this kind of flavor in 376? Um, but it also makes me remember back when I was trying to gain weight and I was like, all right, man, I'm going to hit 5,000 calories. And my buddy's going, I'm hitting 5,000 calories. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Everybody thinks they're hitting 5,000 calories. I'm like, you're, you're not doing it because I would have to eat like 12 of those meals a day. You know what I mean? So, right. um, I don't think people realize how hard it is to eat 3000 calories a day. It's, it's a lot of food. It's if you're astronomically not hard. Yeah, if you're not going to McDonald's and supplementing, you know, some milkshake with some 
Yeah, I'm talking about relatively cheese. relatively healthy meals. Yeah, yeah. If you want to eat healthy and to hit high calories, like it's tough. Yeah. It actually it actually is tough, but no, I mean, your all stuff is um it's it's phenomenal. The the meals are great. I'm I'm loving it and um I've even had some some people that I that I didn't even know um that were buying from you already. And they're like, I guess they're going to the actual restaurants, you know? And, uh, so they're picking up some stuff. And so anyways, they, uh, they said, Oh yeah, it's about time you got turned on to these guys. I'm like, well, you know, it, it took a, an introduction and a meeting and, and whatnot. But like I said, my, I was definitely anybody who's been in bodybuilding or weight gaining, we've all been through that phase where we're eating food that tastes like garbage but you just got to get it done. Yep. And I was, do, I used to do those three o'clock in the morning, wake ups and just pound a chicken breast mm. and go back to bed. Mm. And, um, Protein I don't miss sick. those days at all. <laughs> those are horrible, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're all stuff. It, it actually tastes good. And, uh, so yeah, kudos to the team over there. That's putting that stuff together. You got some guys or girls in the think tank that are, uh, that are doing some some chef some chefery back there yeah we've got a pretty good team that comes up with that stuff so yeah well good man i'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it and yeah we're glad to have you on board this was a good time um tell everybody where they can find arrow wild tv youtube facebook and and things like that because again man i'm not only i'm being biased because i love the outdoors but i mean i've watched a few of those episodes and they're really good Cool. Well, thank you very much. Um, so Instagram, uh, johnny.utah.hunt is, uh, where to keep up with me on more of a day-to-day stuff, everyday, everyday stuff, hunting and, and whatnot. And, um, arrow wild TV on YouTube, um, or on carbon TV. If you're not familiar with carbon TV, it's kind of like the, the Netflix of hunting, and there's a lot of different shows and stuff on there, but, uh, but yeah, there's, you search for arrow wild TV, um, there YouTube, there's a Facebook and an Instagram, um, account for those as well. But, um, and you know, the, the fitness th- this year coming up, there's going to be a lot more fitness stuff from me, a lot more AR 15 platform stuff from me, uh, kind of getting back to, getting back to my roots a little bit more um, and I'll still be bow hunting, you know, the same, but, uh, but yeah, we are going to start adding a lot more of that stuff in. So I'm excited about that. Um, get a few workouts up there and try to help some people with some practical stuff, you know? Nice. Yep. All right. Well, thank you again, man. I appreciate the time and Heck yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You guys have a awesome time and good luck out there in Idaho. Thank you. Don't like, seriously. I mean, number one, don't miss. Um, number two, like don't sweat through your clothes and be, be stinky. <laughs> I can't guarantee either one, but I'll I just, try. just, yeah. Those are the only two things you need to worry about. Which are the only two things I am worried about. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you'll be fine, man. You'll, you'll have a good time. And I'm sure the guys back there will rib you if you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. Ball busting episode ball busting for real yeah yeah well i know old brandon brandon sent me a little picture a little sneak peek where is he right now he's down in texas i thought i thought he was in minnesota he's with scott davis right haven't looked i don't know i don't know he's he Uh, is somewhere 
He, he smashed a, one. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's a nice buck. Real nice buck. Nice. Yep. Yep. So I'm always I'm always stoked to see my Kentucky boys, you know, putting in work like that. Nice. Yep. Cool. Well, All right, thanks, guys. guys. Till yep. next time. Have a good one.